The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinking Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Stinking Truth Podcast. Uh, your host, Mark Slareth, here along with my partner, Mike Evans. Uh, also, Scott the Huff on the board, producing the show. And I got a shout out to our uh, our sponsor, Um Core Water. I, I tell you what, I love Core Water. They've been great to us, and you're going to love it too. Uh, pH balanced water, ultra purified, balanced with electrolytes to match your body's natural pH of 7.4, and that's the pH level where your uh, your body is going to perform at its best. So it's all dialed in there. That's that's. I mean, take my take my word for it. I mean, I am performing a peak for I'm performing a peak performance, Mike. Am I performing a peak performance? Not now, you, not my, right now you're not. You're, no, you sound not like right a now. freaking idiot. <laughs> you, you know, you know what's funny about that? Um, you, if you saw how I was nipping out during the broadcast well, that I was on, you know that I'm performing a peak performance. I, I'm getting to that here in a minute. So, okay, yeah. you're going to get to don't, that? Don't steal my thunder, will you? All right, all right. Anyhow, long story short, let me tie this up with my friends at CORE because they're awesome. Uh, award-winning taste, crisp, clean taste, big mouth bottle, great um, design on the bottle. You're going to love it. It's the one with the blue cap. You can find it at your nor- uh, your neighborhood. Nor- uh, I'm really struggling right now. At your neighborhood, 7-Eleven, the one with the big blue cap, Core pH Balanced Water. Learn more at hydratewithcore.com. That was easy for me to say. But I'm in all honesty, every day. I drink this stuff every single day, and I absolutely love it. And uh, I'm performing at peak performance, Mike. <laughs> I always know, have been. You know what's funny is that because I see you every morning when we, we do our, our radio show together, and – you know, you come in, you're, you got, you know, sweats on or jeans, you know, T-shirt, you know, that kind of thing. Right. You're, you're loose. You're comfortable. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So I'm watching you on Fox week one. You're doing the Seattle-Denver game, and they come back at halftime. And, you know, it's it's the, it's the classic, hey, you know, let's go up to the booth. The guys are relaxed. You know, they got their jackets off, and they're, yeah. uh, they're ready to call the second half. And they show you, and I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, look, it stink. I, He's like a sausage casing. He is like, you know, poured into this this ultra-tight white dress shirt, and you are completely nipping out. I'm like, wow, he's really excited to be calling his football game right now. I mean, dude, where'd you get that that shirt? What was that, a schmedium? What, no. what were you wearing the other day? First off, that thing is double XL custom-made shirt, and I am freaking yoked. Like, I am just like... I'm completely yoked. It's it's unbelievable. Um, like like everybody, I'm on the field on Sunday talking to guys and and like Ken Norton Jr. who I played against. He's like, dude, it looks like you still play. And I'm like, are you calling me fat? No, you're yoked. I'm like, you're doggone right. I'm yoked. I'm huge. <laughs> um, now not my legs, right? Don't. No, you like, still have the turkey legs. No, yeah, yeah, and my legs are strong. Don't get. They just don't like you have. 
Come on, you have back surgery and 20 knee surgeries, and then show me what your pins look like. They're going to be skinny. That's just, I'm, I'm built that way. But my upper body, like if my upper body gets any bigger, I'm going to just, I'm going to tilt over. I'll be like a, what was that thing, weeble wobble thing, you know, but I'll be, I'll be totally top heavy on that. I'm like yeah, a bobblehead. I was worried because if literally that shirt was so tight that if you had like flexed at that moment, yeah. it instantly look, would have looked like uh, the Hulk, you know, right. after on the TV right. show, like after he's, you know, been the Hulk for a while and the shirt's just all tattered and stuff. Right. I just popped all the buttons that, right that's off. That's what it. you would have looked like. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. Let me give you that sound again. All the buttons would have popped off. And then my Jubilees would have been hanging out. <laughs> I got to tell you, I don't understand why. And, and this is, I, it's got to be science. Probably somebody knows. My nipples are 100% hard all the time. <laughs> like, I, okay. I'm not, like, right now we're doing this show and they are just shining bright. Like, I don't, why is that? Like, they never. It could be a hundred degrees out, and they're just standing at attention, like they're just looking for, like, like they're like radar, like ant, like, like they they're the little antenna things on the top of the ant's head, just kind of <laughs> going around. You know, you ever seen Bugs Life? Sure. Little antenna eye going around. That's 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 my my breasticles. Wow. Well. Yeah. Is there science behind that? I, well, I don't hey, sure. Scott, while we're talking, there's, can there's, you look up why my nipples yeah, are 100 exactly. time hard? Can you look? No, seriously, seriously. What do you want? You got nothing else to do. You're sitting there with your bionic hip. Just look up why do men have <laughs> erect nipples all the time? <laughs> Guys, I'm on a work computer. So don't. Hey, I don't want to hear about your pain. I want to see the baby. <laughs> yeah. Just, just roll that thing in there and figure out why my this is my chichis are always. This is what's going to happen in in an hour. Hey, Scott, let's uh, come to the office, please. <laughs> so you were uh, Googling uh, erect nipples uh, on a company computer. Tell us why. <laughs> Mark made me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, speaking of uh, erect nipples, I think I speak for uh, Jets fans out there, right? They're, they they got to be feeling that way after watching <laughs> Sam Darnold, right? Oh, my God. Right? Right. Especially, like, the, Jet, the Jets fans are so funny because you know – Jet fan is just like at any moment he's just ready to write the season off, right? Like ah, here we go again. Like, so Sam Darnold, the first throw of his career, he scrambles around, scrambles to the right, and then the cardinal sin throws it all the way back across the field and pick six. Woo, Detroit seven nothing. And every Jet fan in, in you know in the world is like, oh my God, it's the same guy we had with Sanchez and everybody else we've drafted. And then Sam Darnold puts it together, throws two touchdowns, um, plays exceptionally well. They do a great job as a coaching staff. Todd Bowles does. He only threw it 21 times, I think 16 completions. They managed him exceptionally well. And it's funny, man. I'm talking to a Jets coach last week, a buddy of mine that coaches for the Jets. And he's like, Stinko, man, he goes, I'm just telling you, the kid is, one, he's completely blue-collar. Like, he is just, he loves football. He loves to talk about it. He loves to study it. You know, he loves the kind of the, the X's and O's part of it. Like, he's not your prototypical, you think, USC, California guy. You know, let's go hit the surf type of thing. He's like, the guy's a blue-collar grinder. And he came in, and he had this really humble, let's-go-to-work attitude. I'm not going to try to... You know, I'm not going to try to come out here and lead like I'm a young kid. He's just like, I'm going to come out and earn the respect of all the players. And he told me a couple of things about Sam 
that I think most people don't don't recognize. You know, he's a six four guy. He's got a big arm and all those things. He said he's exceptionally athletic. So he's one of those guys that shocks you. Like Carson Went Carson Wentz, I think shocked people with his athleticism last year. So Sam Darnold's got that kind of athleticism. And if you saw, there was a third down where they naked booted him out and he got a first down. Like there are plays like that that they're going to take advantage of that athleticism. They're going to run that kind of West Coast style of offense where they rely on the wide zone, the tight zone, and some of the boot keep, get the quarterback outside the pocket stuff. Um, you know, the, that's that's typical of the West Coast offense, so they're going to do a lot of that. The other thing this particular coach uh, told me is not only does he have a, just a really super quick release, but the ball gets on receivers almost before they're ready. So he's like, he, he's got a big arm, but it's the it's the it must be the spin or whatever the the football gets there quicker than it does with anybody else. Even you know you see guys with quick releases or guys that have the big arms, you know, and they've got a little bit of a wind up to them. He said it just gets on top of people so quickly, so you can be as a young quarterback, you can even be late with the ball a little bit if you don't see it, and he still gets it on his receivers because the release is quick and he spins it so tightly that it just gets on on top of people so you can make up for a little bit of of lateness as a young player with um the way he throws the ball so i i know in in Jet sounds Land, like you think he's a sure thing yeah well i mean th- now this coach that i'm talking to and and understand there's there's coaches that you talk to that you take things with a grain of salt and then there's coaches that are your buddies like they tell you things you shouldn't know you know what i mean like they they tell you things in confidence, knowing that you're not gonna sell them down the river. Um, like if if like if this guy was a guy, they felt like, oof, you know, we're really gonna have to protect him. And like he was like, hey, we got to protect him because you know he's young, and there's gonna be some mistakes along the way. But we really we really feel like we have the guy. Mm. That's where they are in Jetland right now. Um, and, and so, and he, I mean, he looked like the guy. You know, at, at first, initially, because I, I watched about the first half of the game and um, and into the third quarter, Mike, and then I had to jump on a plane and fly out to Los Angeles. So I missed the, the last part of that game. But my initial thought, you know, was, did Bill Belichick plant another guy to ruin a franchise? <laughs> Like, yeah. right? I mean, for, what was it, 48-17 and you scored a defensive touchdown? Like, did Bill Belichick put another plan in there just to ruin a fight? But then I thought to myself, no, it's the Lions. Like, the Lions will ruin themselves. Like, you didn't need to. It's like, not Matt Patricia's put, fault? Yeah, if you're going to put Matt Patricia somewhere to ruin another franchise, you probably do it in the AFC, right? Like Josh McDaniels in Denver. Right, exactly. Not so, like, not, that whole theory about, about, uh, about Bill Belichick, like bringing up, you know, assistants and saying, "Hey, as soon as you get fired after you ruin this franchise, you're back here and we're going to give you a raise, right? Go get the money for being a head coach. You're coming back. You're going to be my coordinator, and um, and everything is going to be hunky dory." Like I don't think he, I don't think he transplanted Patricia in Detroit to ruin Detroit. Well, in fairness to Patricia, and before we. You know, go down that inevitable. Well, you know, these guys leave New England and they're they find that they're they're right. not Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick clones and they struggle. Patricia's only one of seven 
first-time coaches that lost 0-7. Yeah. All the first time for, – well, first year, because Gruden, Gruden's back. and But all the first-year coaches, they went 0-7. Is there a common theme to all that, how, how that happens, or is that just some, you know, fluke? No, I mean, I think I think it's – obviously, you know, you and I have talked about this, not on this podcast, but we've talked about this because we had that situation last year in Denver with Vance Joseph. And, you know, we've talked about the fact that we will, as a – let's just call us as football fans, we will go ahead and say for a, a young player, like, hey, man – um, you know, like Sam Darnold, we just talked about it. There's going to be some mistakes along the way. There's going to be things you haven't seen, and, and you're not going to recognize them, and you're going to make a mistake. And you're like, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You're young, and, and those mistakes happen, and, and that's okay, and, and it's part of the learning curve, and eventually you're going to be a better player because of it. For coaches, we don't give them the same benefit of the doubt. Like, you're doing something you've never done before as a head coach. You're managing a football game. You're managing a football team. You're managing your coaches. And, like, a guy makes a couple of mistakes. Like, he didn't, you know, uh, can you believe how poorly he managed the clock or how bad? Like, that's all new. The only way you get to – that you become efficient in that is is by doing it, Mike. And and we don't give them the same benefit of the doubt. It's so funny because – you know, I'm I'm talking to a, um, I'm talking to a coach that that essentially said, "Listen, man," or I talked to Vance Joseph before the the Seahawks game, the the Seahawks uh, Denver game that I called for Fox, and he's like, "Man, I meet with an analytics guy. We have an analytics guy, so I meet every Wednesday and every Thursday with our analytics guy, and our analytics guy takes me through." Like situ- game situations, here we are at this particular point in the field. This this is the field position. This is the hash we're on. You know, they, I mean, all this stuff. You know, what's and, and they quiz like, what's the what's the proper call here? What do you do in this situation? And every week, twice a week, you're meeting with that guy, spending an hour with that guy, and you're getting quizzed. And then you're in constant com- communication with that guy during during the game. But it's it's more than that. It's it's finding your voice. Like when you sit down and you say, "Hey, man, there's two minutes left in the half. We're we're up or down by three, and we're at our own 25." You know, do I do I essentially just run out the clock here, get into halftime, make my adjustments, or you know, do I try to push it? We still have two minutes left. Well, maybe from the 25, you just say, "Hey, let's run out the clock. Let's pop a run. If we get you know 12 yards, then maybe we reassess. But you know, if it's second down and eight, then then we're going to run this clock out." But maybe at the 36-yard line, you say, hey, now it's time to push the ball and see if we can you know, see if we can end this thing in a field goal, however it is. But you have to be in charge of that, and you have to sit there if, if you've got an offensive coordinator that says, hey, man, we're, we're on the 20 or we're on the 18 and we're going to start pushing it, and you go, whoa, 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 stop right there. Hand the ball off. Let me, give me in a halftime. Let's make sure we don't make a, a dramatic mistake, and and let's let's move forward. But as, as a head coach – that's your responsibility, and when you're not used to making those decisions, and you've turned the ball over, or you've turned the you know the team over to your coordinator, trusting your coordinator, your coordinator sometimes your coordinator is trying to make a name for himself. So these are the things. I think that there's one more thing that I want to get to. Um, think about this: when you're an assistant coach and a coordinator, 
you are so busy coaching players, right? And you're so busy, you know, you're interacting and, and, and you're so busy kind of molding guys and working with guys and you've got that you've got that coach player relationship. When all of a sudden you become a head coach, that's all you've done your whole coaching career. So a lot of these guys are, you know, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen years into this thing before they get their first opportunity. And you get your first opportunity. It's really hard to step back and kind of get the the view of your football team from 10,000 feet. And instead of being hands-on with those players, allowing those coaches to be hands-on, telling them the way and the techniques that you want to be co- that you want coached your your players to be coached, but you step back a little bit, you you almost become the principal. Remember walking through grade school and you'd see your teacher and it was, you know, his, it was Mr. Beardsley or whatever and you're like, "Hi Mr. Beardsley, how's it going?" But then you would see the principal standing in the hallway and instantly, you know, you, you would your your you your nuts would pucker, right? You'd be like, "Uh oh, butthole pucker!" There's the principal. Like that guy's in charge. You got to have a little principal in your head coach. You can't be all buddy buddy. You know, I mean, you can have a relationship, but there's got to be there's got to be some there's some fear there a little bit, right? But, but even even if you have that, there's no guarantees in today's NFL. Take a look at Pittsburgh. All right. Mike mm-hmm. Tomlin's been around a long time. Mike Tomlin's had a lot of success, but there, there's still – wasn't it fitting that after ca- the kind of week that Pittsburgh had with the whole Le'Veon Bell drama and then certainly the offensive linemen reacting the way that it did, isn't it almost fitting that they go out, blow a late lead, and have to settle for a tie against Cleveland? What a, what a perfect way to cap off the kind of week that Mike Tomlin had. It, isn't it, though? Isn't that the way – I mean – like you've got to be to win in this league, you got to be so tied together. And I just, I just feel like you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The last time they got to the championship was 2011. They lost to the Packers back in 2011. You can make a very compelling argument. Since that time, they're one of the, if not the most gifted team, like talent-wise, in the league. And I know they win. I know they're going to win a lot of games just based on talent alone. But I still think they're just one of the most dysfunctional teams, too. You know, I mean, I yeah, like the whole, like James Conner. James Conner's a great story, Mike. Don't get me wrong. James Conner, if you follow, you know, he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He was, you know, did a bunch of chemo rounds when he was in college at Pittsburgh. Um, you know, he just continued to fight and and overcome the odds and you know he and he and he put up big he put a fumble on the ground late in that game but he put up big offensive statistics and and he was great in that in that game and he scores a touchdown the whole offense rallies around him almost like it was almost like up yours to to Le'Veon Bell and I, I I just I hate the way they've gone about this this it just feels it just feels wrong to me um it feels like there's no solidarity with with a player that's been a major, uh, just a major player on your roster and a major contributor to your football team. I, it just, it, it, it just, again, it feels dysfunctional. And but who's to blame for that? Well, I mean, I mean, ultimately, me, isn't that? I mean, is that Le'Veon Bell's fault? Is that the offensive lineman's fault? Is it is it Mike Tomlin's fault? Is it is it the Rooney's fault? Who's whose fault is it? 
To me, it's the guy that's in charge of your organization, your football operations, and that's your head coach. So what should he have done differently? Well, I mean, one, hey, you know, we made the offer that we made to the – one, that offer should have never been made public. That's that's one. Um, because ultimately you besmirch your player. You besmirch your player to your fan base. Um, and, and, you know, I know a lot of Pittsburgh fans get, they, they bust my balls because they're like, well, it was, it's two years, 30 million stink. And, you know, if he get two years and Pittsburgh always will give you the two years, really? Well, what happens if you snap your leg off? You're going to get that, you're going to get that year. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, but the bottom line is the going rate for running backs based on Todd Gurley's signing is, you know, 20 it was $22 million in the first year. You offer your guy 10 in the first year. So I don't know what planet you come from, but $12 million is generational changing money. And I don't know about you, but if the going rate is 22 and you offer me 10, um, I'm not going to be real happy with that. That would be me. Maybe you think it's great to to you know to say oh yeah but I'll get it eventually. Try hey, you know one thing we know we can trust the NFL they're going to take care of guys right. So stop with that baloney right there. So that's the first thing. If you don't want to pay the guy, I get it. You know you hey running back the shelf life of the running back and all this stuff. I get that. And, and well he's been suspended you know because of of drug use and he had an injury and I get it. Don't announce it. Don't besmirch your player's name. Hey, $70 million five-year. Woo, woo, woo. I can't believe he didn't take it. You know, don't do that to your guy. Now, I just don't – I don't agree with – I don't agree with them doing that. Um, and so that part would would bother me um, as a player, and it would bother me about my own organization. Um, so, I like, that was uncalled for. But as far as Mike Tomlin is concerned, man, you come in and you say, hey, listen, guys – Here's the deal. We're not going to talk about it. We're not talking to the we're, we're we're not talking to the media about the fact that he didn't sign and that he's holding out and that he didn't come back. And hey, we're focused on winning against the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. That's our task at hand. And you know, if we're not all pulling in the same direction, you have a chance of losing. I don't care who the team is. You got a chance of losing. So that's going to be our focus. We'd love to have Le'Veon here. We understand the business aspect of this, and we move forward with the players that are here, and we'll welcome him with open arms when he comes back. But yeah. that's that's the stand we're going to make. But no, what are we doing? You know, we're we got a bunch of offensive linemen saying, "Screw him. We're going to play with the guys we have, and we love Con- you know we love James Conner, and we have like." You've completely taken the focus away from the Cleveland Browns and what you have to accomplish, and made it about us against him, and and, and that dysfunction. That's how you lose. Yep. And you know what? Steeler fans would probably rather eat glass than admit this, but what Tomlin should have done is is probably go WWBBD. What would Bill Bel- Belichick do? And, and well, am I right? I mean, no. I, you know how he would have handled that. So yeah, he would have put a moratorium on talking about it. Right, hey guys, we're not. Nobody's going to talk about you, it. You understand that right. nobody's going to talk about this, right? Are we clear? You're 100 percent right, Mike. And so you know, I mean, I heard something that that made me laugh, and it's not mine, but it just made me laugh out loud. Because the most Cleveland thing that could have happened 
you end your winning streak or you end your losing streak by not winning. That's <laughs> the most Cleveland Brown thing in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, we didn't we didn't lose. This is the first time we haven't lost in forever long. We didn't win either, but we didn't lose. So um, that just kind of made me laugh out loud. You but know, it, they, it, they're a better team. Cleveland Browns are a better team than they were. Yep. They're more talented team than they were uh, over the last couple of years. Yep, yep, absolutely. And you know, you, uh, well, you're talking about Le'Veon Bell and and all the drama there. I I, I got to thinking about what we saw Sunday night with Aaron Rodgers. And, and you know, we, we still need to f- find out, you know, the extent of the injury and all that. But just how cool was it that one of the all-time greats just found himself in a situation where he was like, you know what, screw it. There's a game to be won. I want to be out there. Right. I want to play. I-, I know I'm not 100%. I don't know the full extent of my injury, but damn it, I can I can be out there. I can still make a difference, and I'm going to be out there. And there was, you know, when you see an athlete, maybe it wasn't the smartest thing to do, but I don't know. I found it refreshing that, you know, even an all-time great just was in that exact moment and looking around saying, you know what, screw all that other stuff. I want to play. Right. I want to be out there. I want to compete. And boy, did he. Well, take it from um... – a voice that knows uh, playing in general is not the smartest decision you can make for yourself. <laughs> like, like playing this game is inherent risk and you're going to get hurt. It's a hundred percent certainty. So it's, it's not the smartest thing in the world to do. Um, and I get Aaron Rodgers as a franchise quarterback and I, I get all those things, but to go out there and to play the way he played and you know that thing was hurt, and you know he got stiffer as the game went on. Yeah, there's a couple things that just blow me away about what he was able to do. One is that he is the most accurate off-platform thrower that I have ever watched. Um, and I've been around this game. I, you know, I played professionally for 12 years. I watched it all growing up, and you know, I've been analyzing the game for 18 years now on television. I've never seen a guy um, that can be, you know, that throws from so many different platforms and can be deadly accurate from all those platforms. You know, think about this, Mike. You know, and I always tell people this, that you get people that think that, like, they try to compare a quarterback to a pitcher. Pitcher's all about repeating the same exact mechanics. And it's completely different. A quarterback, you got to throw it through windows. You got to drop your arm down to throw it around a defensive lineman. You got to throw it over the top. You got to slide to the left and and you know throw one back across your body. Slide to the right, do the opposite thing. It, it's very much like playing shortstop. You got to be able to be accurate from a bunch of different platforms. And hey, sometimes you're going to be able to set your feet. You're going to be able to you know slide a couple times and throw them out at first. And, and sometimes you can step up in a pocket, you can climb a pocket, you can set your foot, you know, you can drive the, the football. But more often than not, man, you got to be accurate from off platforms. And he's the most accurate I've ever seen. Usually, when you can't plant, because it was his left leg, when you can't plant, you can't drive the football. So what ends up happening when you can't plant like that is usually, you you know, you hear guys saying all the time, well, he's throwing off his back foot, meaning that, you know, you're, you're kind of almost leaning back. You're not driving the football. And what ends up happening usually is that ball doesn't have as much juice on it, and it usually sails over the intended receiver. That's that's what people talk about. You got to you got to stride and and land on that front foot and drive it. 
you know, and that's what you want to be able to do. And here's a guy that still has the requisite arm strength and the accuracy to overcome the fact that he couldn't step into a throw and he's still on target and deadly with the football. I mean, it was it was an amazing performance. And, and you're 100% right, man. It's old school. It's throwback. In a day and age, we're all concerned about being celebrities and protecting our brand and doing all those things. Here's a guy that said, man – you know, we're, we're, we've got a game that we're getting crushed in. Chicago's coming to our house and is, is beating us down. And um, I want to be part of one of the most miraculous comebacks ever. So put me in. You know, and, and whatever's going to happen, you know, they always said, I, I love this too. Doctors always say, well, you can't do any further damage to it. That is, doctors say, you know how many times I heard that over the course of my career? <laughs> I thought of you when I heard that, by the way. Like, it's such bull crap. Of course you're going to do further damage to it. Like, you're not going to – like, if you tore a piece of cartilage, for instance, um, you know, are, are you going to – it's already torn, right? So they say, well, you can't do any further damage to it. But you know what you do while that piece of cartilage is flipping around in there and you're stepping on it and stuff? You're going to create degenerative changes that eventually are going to make that joint more arthritic than it would be if you stopped right then – like think about you, you okay think about this if you would if it was a torn piece of cartilage and i can't tell you how many times like i tore a piece of cartilage in week one and said hey just play on it until week six you can't do any further damage and then we'll operate on it you just got to deal with the pain right and how many times i did that over the course of my career but it's like it would be like me saying hey mike put this rock this pebble this really sharp pebble in your shoe now you know you're not going to do any further damage to your foot, but like if you walk around for six weeks like that and you're running and you're cutting and you're stepping, like your foot's going to be messed up and it's going to be messed up for you know a, a long period of time. And if you do that enough, don't you think you're going to have some arthritic changes in your foot over time? Uh, of course you would. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a calloused skin or whatever it is. So I mean. Are you going to do further? Yeah, of course you're doing further damage to it. You're you're speeding up the arthritic process that all of us go through as we age. Uh, so uh, you may not be doing further damage to whatever the injury is. Let's call it you know a, a sprained MCL or whatever. But like you're 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 doing damage to that to that joint. So I just appreciate you going out and that's the way the game is supposed to be played. You're supposed to play hurt. So as we um, as we wrap up this outstanding uh, oh, podcast, sorry. we go back to where we began. Uh, DeHuff here has an update on hard nipples for men. Okay, uh, Mark, okay. first of all, um, this could be caused by excessive exercise with the friction. Do you feel that that, yeah. that occurs? Um, excessive exercise? No. That, that's not <laughs> – that is not my problem. Now, if you said excessive eating – it could be caused with excessive eating, then I would say that could be my problem. Now, but you, no. You could have an allergy or sensitivity to soaps, lotions, laundry detergents. That's possible. Mm. Okay. Okay. You could be ovulating, possibly. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Right. Yeah, you never, never know. know. He is you a medical know. marvel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you might want to change your birth control, Mike. You might... <laughs> anyway. Uh, I thought this was for men. Oh, oh yeah, whatever. Uh, but uh, looks like it's it's fairly common with guys. Are they? Are, does this happen all the time with you? Or are you just like out of the blue all of a sudden? They're just oh. no, 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 no. My my nipples are always at attention. 
hundred percent of the time, pretty much. You might want to see a doctor. Just throwing that out there, just I'm, in case. Right now, if I <laughs> snapped a picture in the mirror right now, mm. you would see. You'd see. You know. I mean, that's a like. Why don't you wow. go ahead and do that and text it to me? <laughs> uh, it does say you should uh, try to massage them. You can put cold oh, tea bags like on. That. That. Put cold cold, cold tea, tea bags. bags? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How does a cold tea bag fix my nipples? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Uh, warm compression. Probably help you out with room temperature. Ice. Wait. It says ice and moisturizer. <laughs> anyway, all right. Maybe it, maybe putting the ice is just like taking it to the you know all the peak and then it just breaks it down. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, by the yeah. way, by the way, Mark, uh, uh, our picks for the week. We'll just leave you with this. Uh, you went two zero and one. Right. With your picks, as uh, you correctly identified, uh, um, uh, help me out with the games that you had. You had two wins. I had Baltimore was a win. Yeah. I had the uh, Vikings yeah. as a win, and New England as a push. push. And I went two and one. I had the Rams and Jacksonville victorious, and I <laughs> I took the Lions over the, the Jets. So. <laughs> you fool. You have the early lead. Yes. Exactly the way it should be. Undefeated. I should stop, shouldn't I? Yes. Take your big win and go home. Right. All right. Well, I mean, I feel pretty good about where I sit right now. And, uh, Scott, that was almost worthless. You're welcome, America. <laughs> You're Well, you know what? my? Uh, hey, if we help one person, but, but one that's man just, out there with erect nipples, then but, we've done our job. What I wanted was the one person I wanted help for was me, and I got zero help. See, I don't think you want help. I think you're actually proud of him. <laughs> Is that what that's, that's your? That's what I'm getting. I think you're hold, actually pretty proud of him. Hold on, are you trying to rub your nipples now? Because you should be. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, dude, that's gonna like. No, he's no. gonna be. He's gonna be on Fox calling a game. They're gonna cut to him, and he's gonna be like, "Oh no, <laughs> this is my worst nightmare. Why can't I stop?" <laughs> Sorry, people, it's science. I'm just trying to warm these bad boys up. Talk amongst yourselves. Oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Hey, uh, guys. Yeah. Until next time. Until next Always time. appreciate you guys. <laughs> appreciate uh, our presenting sponsor, Core Water. Thank you guys so much for making the podcast free of charge to our listeners. And uh, we'll be back with you a little bit later in the week.